Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Three is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings from Studio B in Metairie. I'm Sean Kelly, and glad you're with us here on a fall-like day. Well, at least it was this morning. I'm sure it'll feel like summer again by the time the afternoon rolls around, but here we are, uh, ready to go on the first full day of fall, and it feels great as we get closer to Pelicans training camp and we get closer to another Saints game, another one on the road as they get set to take on the Cowboys this weekend. We'll begin our conversation about the Cowboys today as David Hellman from Cowboys.com, DallasCowboys.com, joins us on the podcast. And we'll uh, finish looking back at the most recent game at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome with Jen Hale from the NFL on Fox and with Josh Hill from the Saints locker room. So a full show for you already on this uh, Tuesday, a day that sees us uh, now removed from the NFL weekend with the Bears beating the Jets last night. And so another win for an NFC team on Monday Night Football. The Bears uh, quietly are getting some things done, and there's now some national folks talking about the Bears making a move up the ranks of the NFC with the way they've started the season. So we'll keep an eye on that for sure as we uh, continue through the end of September and into October. Hey, we talked about the Pelicans a little bit yesterday, and we're going to pick it up on the NBA side tomorrow, it looks like, with Mark Stein. But later on today, the Pelicans are unveiling their third uniform. Jennifer Hale and Daniel Salerson and all the gang will be out for that unveiling today, and we're all anxious to see what uh, what new duds the Pelicans may feature for us on several nights this upcoming season. So we're getting close with that, and I know a lot of folks have been anxiously awaiting to see what that third uniform is going to look like, something they've wanted from the start since the name change. But uh, due to NBA rules and some other things, they've had to wait until now. So we'll have news on that later on today at pelicans.com, and we'll uh, talk more about that on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. But today we'll start the conversation with the Cowboys, and we'll visit with Josh Hill and Jennifer Hill. All that's yours in just a moment. We'll start with Ms. Hale and Daniel Sallerson, who has that interview, coming up next.
fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino and Hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at Shreveport-Bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Welcome back to the show. Joining me now is Jen Hale from the NFL on Fox and Fox Sports New Orleans. Jen was on the sidelines for Saints-Vikings. And Jen, what was it like to cover a game in your hometown and be able to show your crew a good time in the Big Easy? It was great on, on both of those fronts. This is my first home game in three years. It's kind of crazy. Um, it's just the way it, the game assignments shake out. So just personally, I had a blast. It was so much fun to get to be working inside the Superdome and hear that sold-out crowd and, and be a part of that home opener in a way. Um, interviewing through on the field after the big win was awesome. Um, and getting to show off my hometown, as you said, to my NFL on Fox crew, because there's no better city than New Orleans to host people, and everybody just rolled out the red carpet uh, during the we, we have little pockets of downtime here and there. So I was able to send Rondé Barber to CrossFit over at Nola Extreme Fitness, and Chris Dad over at Miami Country Club had some of the crew out for tennis lessons. Uh, we took them to eat at Revolution, and they got a kitchen tour. They ate at Drago, Giacomo's. They loved it. They're all ready to uh, come back. They're all booking their vacations now. So it was a blast. I loved it, and, and I certainly hope it won't be another three years before I get to do it again. And not to mention the Saints got a win over the Vikings 20-9. to What were your thoughts on the game just as far as how the Saints played? Boy, they sure came out strong. You know, I got to interview Sean Payton before the kick for the NFL and Fox pregame show, and he told me, just watch, this game is going to mark the turning point in our season. And they certainly played like it on that opening drive. It looked fantastic. Uh, then they stalled just a little bit. I, I think a lot of us were surprised the score was 20-9. to um, I-, I was expecting some more points on the board there. But, but the W is the important thing, and the improvement in the defense that we saw also for uh, the Saints was crucial for their long-term plan. They, their red zone defense was much better. They held the Vikings with field goals, no touchdowns, no uh, 6.4s, and, and that's, that's important. I know folks out there would rather see three and out, but, but if then don't break defense with the type of offense Saints also has, uh, we'll get you where you want to go. And uh, one cool moment, of course, this ended up being the NFL debut of, of rookie Viking quarterback Kenny Bridgewater. And unfortunately, I know thoughts and prayers are with Matt Castle. He broke several bones in his foot, unfortunately. Um, so Teddy's debut came under under duress, under sad circumstances. But it was fun to get to watch him and be a part of that. And I don't know if the folks at home could see it, but a neat moment for me, I always interview two players from the winning team on the field after the game. And so I'm finishing 
up with Drew, and I look over my shoulder, and there's Teddy Bridgewater waiting to meet him. Um, and, and he just had this huge smile on his face, even though they'd lost the game. He was so excited to get to meet Drew, and Drew's such a class act. He ran over and threw his hand out, shook his hand, and gave him a big hug. So it was fun to get to see that. Yes, very cool. And it seemed like Teddy handled the pressure pretty well coming in basically without any warm-up. It seemed like Teddy uh, not too bad for his debut. I was extremely impressed. And that Superdome crowd, as we all know, is not an easy place to play. It's not a uh, quiet venue for a rookie quarterback to get his sea legs under him, so to speak. I thought he showed great composure. He had a couple of nice uh, pass completions. He knew where he was going. He never looked rattled or confused or panicked. We actually have the Vikings again this week. We'll be going up to Minneapolis. They're at home against the Falcons. So I will be very interested to see what he looks like after a week of preparation. You know, they all say, I prepare like I'm the starter every week. But it is different when you know, okay, I am the guy. And so this week he'll, he'll practice the whole time with the first teamers, get all the first team reps. Uh, and it'll be fun to watch his development see what he can do. Now, I'm sure you haven't looked too much into your storylines yet for Vikings-Falcons, but it seems like, unfortunately, one team's going in one direction, the other is going in the opposite direction. The Falcons uh, had a big win over the Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football, the Vikings on a two-game losing streak. What are some early storylines to look out for in this one? Well, Teddy Bridgewater, which we just talked right. about, um, I think he's going to be a great story. Porterell Patterson, uh, another young player who, you know, how much is he going to be able to put things together? That is... Asiata, folks will remember him. He's the running back for the Vikings. Just a great story. This is a guy who uh, was undrafted, got on the Vikings squad. He was cut, uh, worked in an industrial supply warehouse during the day to support his wife and kids and still trained when he got off work at night. And the Vikings coaches were so impressed with him. They kept in touch with him during that time thinking, hey, you never know, maybe we'll bring him back. So lo and behold, here he is. And with the Adrian Peterson situation, now he's starting running back. So a good guy, uh, the way Matt Castle put it is, you know, it's nice to see the good guys win. So would like to see him have some success in this league. Uh, for the Falcons, Matt Ryan, wow, he's just been lighting it up. This will be my first chance to see the Falcons in person, not on TV. And so I want to see what this offense looks like. Julio Jones, uh, healthy, Body White, healthy from, from what we know. Uh, and, and if Matt Ryan can continue this. Falcons come to the Dome next time around for the Saints. And uh, I know the Black and Gold will be looking for some vengeance in that one. Now, have you had all NFC South games in your uh, weeks covering Fox? You know, Daniel, it's true. My first four weeks, I've had an NFC South team every time. So it's been fun to get a look at the division early. I've had the Panthers twice, the Bucks once, the Saints once, and now I'll have the Falcons once. And in October... I have the Saints in Detroit, but I'm up north almost the whole time. I've got two Detroit games, this Minneapolis game, and a Cincinnati game. Wow, so we're going to start calling you the NFL South expert after uh, your stint around the league. <laughs> Do my best. Uh, real quick before I let you go, you're emceeing a pretty cool event today for the Pelicans. Can you uh, describe a little bit of what's going on today? Yeah, I'm, I'm really fired up about this one. You know, because the Pelicans switched – Mascot switch colors did the whole makeover. They were only allowed two uniforms last year since it was their first year under this new identity. So this year they get to have a third uniform, and they're going to be unveiling that third uniform today. Uh, 1.30, I believe, is when it gets going. Uh, I should find that out before. <laughs> no, I think I have to be there at 1. Um, it's going to be red, Pelican red, and uh, Anthony Davis is going to be modeling it along with Eric Gordon and Jimmer Fredette. 
and they're doing it out at a, a local school, St. Catherine's and Metairie. Uh, so those kids will be the ones to get the first sneak peek of what these look like. And I, I think it's going to give the teams more balance. Uh, it, it's just great to have that at our disposal. I, I never really quite understood the rule that why you had to wait a year to have your third right. uniform. But nonetheless, it is what it is. And the filing the Pelicans are, are getting that third uniform, and we'll get to see what it looks like this afternoon. That's Jen Hale from uh, NFL on Fox and Fox Sports New Orleans. Check her out again on Sunday. She's up north for Vikings, Falcons, and, of course, log on today to pelicans.com and see the uniform unveiling, and Jen will be emceeing that. Jen, as always, thanks for the time. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. No problem. When we come back, Sean's back with DallasCowboys.com writer David Hellman. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City, to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state, and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back into Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. And our conversation toward the Dallas Cowboys starts here on this Tuesday. As we've done on Tuesdays in the past, we like to reach out to those covering the uh, next team on the beat, as they say. And with that, we welcome in David Hellman from DallasCowboys.com. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning. How are y'all? I can't believe we're doing great. I can't believe we're getting ready to wrap up September, and uh, we're finally to that Sunday night primetime game for the Saints and Cowboys. I know that fans here are looking forward to it, and as I'm sure the Cowboys are excited about two straight wins and a 2-1 and one mark now. Absolutely. You know, uh, getting into the season, like you said, it's hard to believe uh, October's going to be here. You know, pretty much when this game's over with, it was 65 when I woke up this morning here in Dallas. So kind of kind of getting that football season vibe going. It feels good. Finally, finally. Same here on the Gulf Coast, that's for sure. Uh, let's go back and, and look at the Cowboys here over the last two weeks. They seem to have put it together, although it looked a little dicey there in St. Louis for a touch. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if you ask people if they thought the Cowboys had it together, uh, you know, after the first quarter there in St. Louis, because it certainly looked like the opposite. Uh, but yeah, the, they've got, you know, they uh, back-to-back wins after a really ugly loss to open the season. And uh, if there's one thing you can say about them, there's still plenty of question marks. And defense really did not look good uh, yesterday or on Sunday, excuse me, in St. Louis. Um, the defensive line so far this season has just one sack between them. Uh, not 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 great, which is something that we expected going into this season. But if there's one thing you can say for the Cowboys is that they're running the ball really, really well. DeMarco Murray is leading the league in rushing, uh, not just yards, but attempts, uh, which it's interesting because that was kind of the offseason storyline was that with drafting Zach Martin, 
16th overall in the draft, the Cowboys would be able to kind of exert their will on other teams in the run game. And, you know, with how pass happy they've been in the past, it was kind of one of those things that you wanted to see to believe. But through three games, that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, Murray went over 100 yards. Uh, well, he, he reached 100 yards. Excuse me. He had 100 exactly on Sunday. But he that's the first time he's done that in three straight games in his career, uh, which kind of says everything you need to know about how well they're running the ball right now. What what kind of a runner is he? Describe him for me. If I had to, dis- I actually, um, I said this. I, I actually, you know, I'm from New Orleans. I went to LSU, uh, so I'm plenty familiar with with football down in Louisiana. And uh, recently, these first three weeks, I felt like I'm watching LSU football when I watch the Cowboys. And what I mean by that is, I mean it's not. Uh, it's, it's, there's not anything fancy about the way they do it. They just give it to Murray. Uh, he's, he does not have home run speed. He's not going to break a run 80 yards. He's not going to make a lot of guys miss, but he's going to find the hole. Uh, he's going to hit people. He's going to get a lot of yards after contact and he's just, they're just going to grind. And, and the way that the, the Cowboys beat the Titans in week two was they basically just ran the ball and hit the Titans until they quit and didn't want to play anymore. And I think the Cowboys ran 17 or 18 running plays in the fourth quarter and just ground the clock down. Uh, and it looked really familiar to what you see in the SEC every weekend, which is kind of unusual in the NFL these days, but that's exactly the way it's been going. And Murray fits that MO to a T. Like I said, he's not a, he's not a game-breaking type of running back. He's just a durable, physical back who's going to you know, hit the defense and try to make him quit. This seems like an absolute sea change for Coach Garrett and the and the Cowboys, a team that that seemingly has asked Tony Romo to do everything in recent memory. What what prompted the change? If you go back into training camp and start to try and and figure out what the what the philosophy change was all about. And you're you're absolutely right, and it, it was kind of striking uh, because after this last game here in, in St. Louis. Cowboys came back from 21 down, which is the biggest non-overtime comeback in their franchise's history, and they did it by not giving up on the run, which is uh, unheard of around here. I mean, last year, even though I mean Murray had a thousand-yard season last year, but there would be games where you know things would get out of hand. If you remember back to the the beating that the Saints put on the Cowboys in the Superdome last year, uh, they started out running the ball really well, and then you know. They, they couldn't keep up with the Saints, and next thing you know, the running game has to go out the window. Uh, and it led to a few games last year where Murray finished with you know 15 or fewer carries, even though he was running it well. Uh, but that's not what happened in St. Louis this past week. And, you know, he still managed to have 24, 25 carries, despite this being a, a game where they had to come back from a few possessions down. So it's really striking to see them gravitate more toward the run like that. And I think there's the big reason, and we've talked about it ad nauseum here in Dallas, is just that, They've invested so much time and money into this offensive line. Uh, they they had a really good offensive line. You know, we're going back six or seven years at this point with with Mark Colombo and Andre Girard and guys like that. You know, 2007, 2009, uh, those guys left, and Tony Romo was kind of working behind a patchwork line there for for a few years. But going back to 2011, uh, they've spent first round picks on their left tackle, their center, and now Zach Martin as their right guard. So you've got a number. I think Tyron Smith was number 11 overall in 2011. So you've got a number 11, a number 32, and a, or a number 31, excuse me, and Travis Frederick, and a number 16. Uh, and with that type of talent on the offensive line, Jason Carroll said himself, they just didn't have that capability before. So now, uh, you know, they're able to protect Romo more. 
uh, able to lean more on that running game. And obviously, uh, you know, Romo's uh, injury history with, you know, having to end his season prematurely with back surgery last year probably plays a role in that too. Um, if you've managed to watch any of their games this year, you've definitely seen not the high-flying 350, 450-type games from Romo this year. Uh, and I think a big part of that is because he hasn't needed to uh, with the kind of protection he's getting and the help he's getting in the running game. David Hellman from DallasCowboys.com with us here on the Black and Blue Report. So, David, what is this new running attack or this, I guess, concentration on the run doing to Romo in the passing game? And I guess specifically i got to go – got to take this conversation toward one Des Bryant. Let's not forget what a weapon he is. Well, it's really, it's really interesting – uh, and, and we've talked about this a good bit, too. It, I, it, it's kind of a good problem to have if you're the Cowboys is that really uh, outside of, I mean, you know, Tony Romo's Tony Romo. He's, he's not putting up the stats that maybe you're accustomed to to this point. I will say I do think, you know, if the Cowboys are going to contend for a playoff spot, he's probably going to have to have a couple of, of really big performances just based on what we've seen from this defense so far. He hasn't needed to. You know, he threw for 217 in St. Louis. He threw for – I think 170 or 167 in Tennessee. He hasn't needed to have that gaudy type of game, but I think at some point every franchise quarterback is going to need to have that type of game to pull his team out of the fire, as we've seen, uh, you know, with the way that the league has gravitated toward the passing game. Uh, but I, it, it's really interesting because DeMarco Murray is leading the league. He's on pace for a 2,000-yard season, assuming this keeps up at this rate. Uh, Des Bryant's on pace for a 1,300-yard season. They are putting the ball – uh, in the hands of their young playmakers. There's no doubt about that. But the funny thing is that it doesn't leave a whole lot of room, you know, for the role players, which is something that you see so much with the Saints. You know, Drew Brees spreads the ball around the way that he does, and it's really amazing to watch. The Cowboys have not really done that this year. Outside of Dez and, and Murray and a couple of a couple of balls, you know, Terrence Williams caught the go-ahead touchdown in St. Louis the other day, but it was one of two or three catches on the day. Uh, but like I said, it's, it's kind of a good problem to have because they haven't really needed to do it yet. Uh, Dez and Murray have been out to such a fantastic start. Let's swing back over to that defensive side of the football because, as you mentioned so <laughs> astutely, Dallas's defense still has questions to be answered. What have we learned so far through three games and what still is out there with regard to the Cowboys' defense? I think if, if there's one thing I had to say that we've learned about this defense, it's that they need – to make sure Rolando McClain is on the field as often as possible this season. Uh, you know, he's a, a long and winding road for him from when he was a first-round pick in Oakland a few years ago, retired from the game twice. He's had multiple off-field arrests. The Cowboys took a chance on him in June, brought him into training camp, brought him back to game speed, and the question all through training camp was, can this guy really make a difference? Can he really step in, you know, for Sean Lee, who tore his ACL during OTAs? And and the first two games that he was available, I mean, he was a one-man wrecking crew against the Titans. He led the team in tackles. He had one of the most impressive interceptions I've ever seen. Uh, he was really, like I say, he was, just, he was a one-man show, and you clearly saw that this weekend in St. Louis when he sat out with a groin injury. Uh, they just kind of they didn't look anywhere near as physical. They didn't look anywhere near as adept at stopping the run or getting to ball carriers. Uh, so, first of all, he needs to be on the field as often as possible. If I'm a Saints fan, I am looking at that Cowboys injury report all week to see what his status is because we don't know right now if he's going to be cleared to play. And if he's not, I think that is a big, big win for the Saints in, in this particular matchup. Uh, so there's that. And then right now, like I mentioned, the pass rush just simply isn't there. They've got three sacks on the season. 
two of those have come from linebackers. McLean and Bruce Carter both have a sack this year. Uh, they have one combined sack from their defensive line, and that's two defensive linemen splitting a sack. So uh, they have not managed to find a defensive lineman who can get to the quarterback with any kind of reliability. You might see that this weekend. Uh, former Pro Bowler Anthony Spencer's on his way back from uh, knee surgery. Jerry Jones has said a couple of times since Sunday that he's hopeful that Spencer can get some snaps against the Saints. Who knows what that means because it's, it's been almost two years at this point since Spencer played meaningful snaps in a football game. But if he can get back to the level he was playing when he hurt himself, it could be a big boost for them. Uh, it, honestly, it would be a little surprising for me to see him get into a game as early as week four. But that kind of seems like something the Cowboys are hoping they can do when the Saints get here. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, we'll both be keeping an eye on the injury report for both sides as the week progresses. And, and while it's early here and both teams don't get back truly on the practice field until tomorrow, David, even this early in the week, is there a storyline or a matchup that jumps right out at you with regard to Saints and Cowboys this weekend? And if it's too early to tell, just tell me. But, you know, is there something that right away strikes you? Um, yeah, and it, it's pretty simplistic, really, but I've watched enough Saints football in my time to know um, probably the, the easiest way that I can think of to affect the Saints is, is to pressure Drew Brees, obviously. I mean, that's football 101, but specifically pushing the pocket. I mean, he's so good at stepping up in the pocket and looking for receivers and, and working that pocket to its advantage. And right now, based on what we've seen through three games, I don't know that the Cowboys have an answer for that. Um, so that's that's what I'm looking at, and I, I, I can see it as clear as day uh, from last year when he just picked the Cowboys secondary apart. And and if Austin Davis, who was starting his second career game, can do it in, in St. Louis the other day, I, I'm very curious to see what Drew Brees can do if the Cowboys can't find a way to make him uncomfortable. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, you know, th- there hasn't been any practices this week. Uh, I, I think it could be really big for the Cowboys if they can get Rolando McClain back on the practice field. But but that's what I'm watching is that what they're doing through three weeks to pressure the quarterback is probably not going to cut it against Drew Brees. So I have a very close eye on that for sure. It's great stuff to get us started, that's for sure. And I appreciate it, David. Uh, all the best to you this week as you prepare, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it, and it's always good to talk to somebody who's uh, from our area here. And, uh, and I know that you uh, probably enjoy Dallas, but I'm sure many miss you around here as well. Uh, I miss them, man, for sure. Maybe not on Saturday against Mississippi State so much, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, to having some people up here for this game. I know there's going to be plenty of familiar faces in the building when this game kicks off, so I'm looking forward to it. Well said. David Hellman from DallasCowboys.com with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, when we come back, we'll take you inside the Saints locker room and check in with Josh Hill. The tight end scored a touchdown this past weekend and could play prominently in the ball game against Dallas this coming weekend. And we'll do all that in just a moment. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, 
Even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Black and Blue Report continues on this Tuesday with a look back at yesterday's Monday locker room for the New Orleans Saints. Thought we'd catch up with Josh Hill again. I know we just had him on the show not too long ago, but you got your first touchdown yesterday, so I had to ask you about that. Yeah, it was a, it was a great play drawn up. I wasn't covered, and uh, Drew, Drew was able to find me. I was very excited. You were wide open. Did you think? Did you think for a minute, boy, if I drop this, I got a real problem? <laughs> yeah, because sometimes those are the easiest ones to drop. The ones that you're wide open, ready to score a touchdown. What did it? What did it feel like? I mean, I, look, you've played football all your life. You've scored other touchdowns before, but to do that yesterday in that building at this level, did it? Did it hit you at first? Yeah, when I heard the the crowd erupt, um, it was really loud in there, and that was the thing that really set in. Was you know, celebrating the teammates and how, how loud the crowd was. Do you dream about those situations? Do guys do that, or is that a little overblown sometimes? Uh, we definitely try to visualize those things, yeah. but uh, that's something you dream, out, dream about as a young boy. It was a lot of fun. Do you keep the ball? I didn't keep it. Oh. Yeah, I scored my first one last year. I kept that one, so after that, I figured I'd just let him go. I know it wasn't, you know, there's always the first, and that's the most special yeah. one, but... Yeah. Uh, does, does your wife say anything to you at the end of the day? I mean, I think she's seen you play a few times. Yeah, she gets excited, but she always keeps it even kill. Keeps, <laughs> keeps my feet on the ground. So, What did you see in film this morning um, with regard to how you played yesterday? Um, I made some mistakes, um, you know, pass protection and a few other things. Um, definitely things I need to clean up and uh, things I can do to help us um, get out of situations. Does, does Coach, you know, because you were asked, or Coach was asked about you yesterday after the game in his post-game presser. <laughs> Typical Coach Payton, I think that he was quick to say, you know, nice nice play on the touchdown, but he said there were still things to work on. Uh, you know, What kind of a mix do you usually get from the coaching staff with regard to your evaluation? Um, they're always going to coach us up on you know every detail, no matter how big a play we make. Um, it's always about the details and made some mistakes, and you know, rightfully so, they're going to let me know. Do the mistakes seem obvious to you in the in the flow of a game? And then you see him on tape, or do you know pretty much right away? I know pretty much right away. Yeah, yeah for the most part, yeah. When when you uh, when you look at him though, is it are, are they still a combination of mistakes that just you have continually tried to master, or just it was just that moment? There there was one where it was the moment. Um, mine wasn't in the right place, and actually didn't get lined up quite right. So it was a just a complete mental error at the moment. Well, that's the one that'll get. You uh, maybe uh, talk to in a in a film session, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> what are some of the things you know as you try to grow as a player that I don't want to harp on things that you're struggling with, but at the same time, I think that folks need to know that this is a process. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always trying to get better, and uh, the small details of becoming a more complete tight end is you know what I really need to work on. Like like what? Get, share with me some. Um, there's some steps in the run game. Mm-hmm. You know, just being active and knowing who I am in the huddle because you know, I play different positions. So just being mentally locked in on the small details. What comes easier at this point, tight end or special teams? <laughs> um, well, I don't know if either would become easier. You know, it was a big challenge this week with great returners back there. 
but uh, offense has become a lot more clear in my mind because I've been in the offense for mm -hmm. a full year. So um, as I as I keep going, everything becomes more more clear. It seems simplistic for a guy like me to watch a special teams play and say, yeah. okay, there's Josh Hill, uh, see man with ball, hit man with ball. <laughs> there's probably more to it than that. Yeah, there is. Um, <laughs> got to help, help your teammates out, stay in your coverage lanes. But uh, as long as we play as a unit, you know, we'll, be, we'll be just fine. How much different is this Monday after a win as opposed to the prior two Mondays? It, it feels a lot better getting that win. And, um, you know, you can tell by looking around that guys are uh, more satisfied, but not completely satisfied. How quickly, how quickly do guys, you think, and maybe just be specific about this group, how quickly do guys move away from a win or a loss and immediately start to think about, in this case, Dallas? I think after we watch this game film this morning, um, guys are going to turn the page and uh, get ready for Dallas. Do you ever hold on to something good? I, mean, I guess I'm looking for a holdover, if there, if there is any at this point. Do you, they always say, oh, we're going to flush the good just like we flush the bad, but at the same time, aren't there things that could be carried over? I think there are some plays, good and bad, that are always stuck in players' minds. Um, I think that's natural, but for the most part, as a whole, as a whole game, we try to wash it away. But there's always those, those small details that are going to stick with you. If Benjamin Watson is banged up this week, how does that change the way that you'll go about the week and, and what practice will be like for you? Um, it really stays the same because I have to know his position anyway. Um, we just got to be ready to contribute more on offense. Do you get more reps? Uh, I probably will. Yeah. yeah. And it seems that that's the key, I guess, is you've got to do it over and over again. The, the challenge, I always think, is it's everybody talks about the starters and everything else. Sometimes it seems to me that it'd be harder to get ready for a game when maybe you only get three or four reps a day type of thing. Yeah, it, it can be rough, but, uh, you know, you just have to stay mentally locked in. If, you know, if one guy goes down, next guy's up. That's how it works. Is it too soon for me to ask you what it'll be like to play on Sunday night football and at that stadium, that that big monstrosity over in Dallas? Yeah, I'm not really sure what it's going to be like. Um, you know, we've played in some big venues, so. Right. Yeah. But nothing with a scoreboard that seems to even draw the guys <laughs> on the sidelines' attention. Yeah, I don't know what that's going to be like. What is it, 70 yards? 70 yards long. Um, and from what I'm gathering, I, many players have been caught looking up, chin in the air, as opposed to looking in front of them sometimes. <laughs> During a play. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure there will be distractions, but we'll be locked in. Nice job yesterday. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Josh Hill and the Saints obviously now get set to get ready for the Cowboys this weekend. Practice field tomorrow, and uh, today, as we mentioned earlier, is kind of a quiet day, although I think that Josh and a few others are getting work in, even if it's just a watching film here on this Tuesday. Well, this Tuesday Black and Blue Report will conclude in just a moment. A final thought or two right after this last timeout. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Ticket plans for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. There's a variety of packages for all fans featuring half season and 12-game options, including the ever-popular weekend plan that averages a couple of games a month. 
Packages start as low as $185. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP and take flight with your Pelicans today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Well, as we heard from David Hellman from DallasCowboys.com earlier today on the Black and Blue Report, that injury report for the Cowboys is going to be something to keep our eye on. And the same goes for the Saints as well. There are a couple of names that we'll be looking out for come tomorrow afternoon. Remember, that's when the first injury report goes to the league. That's Wednesdays, usually about 3 o'clock Central. And John DeShazer and myself will have that for you during the New Orleans Saints afternoon wrap tomorrow afternoon on NewOrleansSaints.com. Thanks again to Jennifer Hale for joining us today. As we mentioned, David Hellman, too, and Josh Hill. We'll keep an eye on Josh this week because his playing time may increase based upon that injury report that we're referring to. And uh, enjoy the uniform unveiling this afternoon with the Pelicans as well. Enjoyed it here on this Tuesday. It's kind of the quiet day in the NFL, but we're glad that you stayed with us through the uh, quiet day. And right here with us on the Black and Blue Report, we'll be back here from Studio B tomorrow with a full lineup, including Mark Stein, we hope, from ESPN covering the NBA. And we'll effort to bring you a whole lot more, including a possible former Saint that's uh, starting kind of a new career. And we'll uh, tell you more about that on tomorrow's show as well. Thanks again to Daniel Salerson and all our crew here at Studio B. I'm Sean Kelly, and we'll see you next time on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.